Welcome to Still Dead from Chipperish Media. I'm researcher Dr. Kelly Jones, and I am not here to sing. And I'm story expert and not your link to the powers, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we're here today to talk about Angel, Season 2, Episodes 15 and 16, Reprise and Epiphany, both of which are Watchers. You cannot tell me that wasn't perfect. Not only have I been around for 400 years, but I used to do this professionally, and that was perfect. We'll go again. In Reprise, Angel interrupts a ritual in a warehouse and knows something's going on. He goes to Kate, telling her that something's happening, but she doesn't care. She's being pulled in front of a review board to explain her actions, and she's likely going to get fired. At Wolferman Hart, Lila and Lindsay are nervous about their own review, the 75-year review, when the senior partners come to town and express their displeasure with the staff. Angel goes to Denver, the bookstore owner who helped him in Are You Now or Have You Ever Been, and discovers that the senior partner coming to town for the review can be killed with a special glove. But Darla kills Denver and runs off with it. Angel goes to the ritual to raise the senior partner, finds Darla at the event, and gets the glove from her, then uses it to kill the senior partner and steal his ring, which will give him access to the senior partner dimension, which is hell. He gets in an elevator with Holland Manners and travels below all while Manners pontificates to him about evil and the nature of evil and how there is no winning this fight because, like, everybody's evil. And when the doors open, they're right back on the street where they started. This is hell. Angel walks through the city, despondent, then goes home and listens to a message from Kate, who got fired and took a bunch of pills. He goes upstairs and Darla is waiting for him. Nothing matters, he says, and they have sex. Afterward, he jolts up in bed as lightning strikes and thunder crackles, and this looks really familiar. Reprise aired on February 20th, 2001. This is the only Angel episode directed by James Whitmore Jr., and it was written by Tim Minear, who wrote or co-wrote 16 other episodes. All right, so Kelly... <laughs> what did you think about Reprise? Where did this land on your perfect happiness scale from zero, stake this, to six, lost your soul? So much happiness. <laughs> so I gave this a five, mm -hmm. maybe a five and a half. Yeah. Take away Kate in the Sharp family and it have been a six. Mm -hmm. I love this episode. And a reprise is a repeated passage in music. Right. This comes from the 18th century French for taken up again. Mm -hmm. So the elevator ride is a reprise. Denver is a reprise. Angel on the edge of soul changing experience after sex with a woman he's deeply connected to is a reprise. And according to Holland, the very nature of evil is a reprise. And Angel's heartbreak in this episode is so powerful. And the whole thing is sort of poetically beautiful. And even though it's so sad, it is a damn good episode of Angel. Plus, you know, sex with Darla. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> this is a five for me, too. Reprise is a great episode. It is really well written. It's got fantastic dialogue, great moments, Dark Angel, Darla being a badass, Holland Manners and his philosophy, and Angel's devastation. It is all really good stuff, and I absolutely loved it. Yep, me too. It was so good. <laughs> all right, so let's get into our moments of perfect happiness. What you got for me, Dr. Jones? 
Okay, so I have this first section called Darla and Dark Angel. I know, it's nice. (laughs) I love that we start with Lindsay tending Darla at his house. Mm -hmm. And she's playing the role so perfectly. Oh my God, I know. You're the only one who hasn't abandoned me. And Lindsay's, I never will. (laughs) And, you know, and then I did think it was interesting that Lindsay always takes a shower right after work. Yeah. And he says, I'm always dirty. But then Darla rolls her (laughs) eyes like... Child, please, and <laughs> drops the whole act to go through his briefcase. I know it's like you think you're bad, Lindsay. You don't even know from that. Right? <laughs> She's just, you know, annoyed at his attempts at evil. It's it's so kind of cute. Yeah, but we have her being super sneaky to steal, you know, the material that she needs, right. while Angel just barges into the new team office to steal a book. I know, you know. <laughs> And he tells Cordelia, don't make me move you. Like, yeah. he's, he is just hell-bent. Um, and then he crashes the big Wolfram and Hart meeting with Lila mm-hmm. and reveals Darla, you know, who <laughs> snuck in. And Darla was back in a red dress. Yes, of course she was. very, very happy, mm-hmm. you know. And the demon manifests and chaos breaks out. And Lindsay helps Darla escape again. Mm-hmm. And Angel, you know, grabs that demon with a glove and they crash out of the window and fall all the way down to the ground to get the ring. And it reminds me of Can You Fly? Right. Another reprise, right? Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. You know, and it was so good. And then when Darla comes to steal that ring and Angel kisses her. Yeah. She's like, don't play games with me. And he says, I'm not playing. I just want to feel something besides the cold. <laughs> then you have like <laughs> all this fighting and violence and sex because to Angel, none of it matters anymore. Yeah. And then we have that storm and the call back to when he lost his soul after sleeping with Buffy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wakes up to that pain with the sound of thunder. And I mean, damn. Yeah, that's some good stuff. It's so good. It's amazing. That, that whole thing is so good. And that whole elevator ride to nowhere and the look on his face when he comes out. I mean, I love him hitting rock bottom like that. I thought it was really great. Oh, me too. And and when he hits rock bottom, mm-hmm. he goes to Lorne. Yeah. You know, and, and at Caritas, you know, Angel tells Lorne, I'm not here to sing. And Lorne <laughs> says, oh, that's what we're calling it now. <laughs> I just... Love it. I love Lorne. And He's and so I great. love that the Wolfram and Hart lawyers are at Caritas too. Yeah. Because they're all stressed out. And Lorne's ethical code, he tells Angel, I really can't divulge to you what I read in another being, but I can tell you what I overheard in, in the restroom. <laughs> I love when he does that. It's very strong ethics, yeah. Yeah, and his constant play on words, mm-hmm. you know, it's coming Friday and it's got all their legal briefs in a twist. I like, know. I just love Lorne. Lorne dialogue is fantastic. I, I think one of my favorite things that he says in this scene is he says, most anything that can manifest in order to move in this dimension can be killed. Kind of the downside of being here, you know? Yeah. This idea that, that this dimension, this particular dimension is the place where you can be killed. You know, and mm-hmm. that's such a high stakes kind of way of thinking about these things, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I thought that that was pretty cool, too. I did, too. So and then I really enjoyed seeing Denver again. Denver, yeah. the bookshop owner, is awesome. And then we have that callback to Are You Now or Have You Ever Been? Mm-hmm. And the Thessalonic paranoia, fear, hate, demon, which really shows us 
angel being back in a space of not being connected yeah. and not caring mm-hmm. because he let the demon have those people at the Hyperion 50 years ago and he let Darla and Drew have the lawyers and the wine cellar a few weeks ago exactly so after all this time you know because he went through that period where he was just disconnected from the world right and then he reconnected mm-hmm. with Buffy and now he's pulling back into that space again so he's seeing that this is you know part of his his journey and I love when Denver's like yeah you going and saving those people vampire made me feel like there was really good in the world and has obviously inspired this guy to still believe in the place and angel's like i pretty much walked out and let the demon have the place and everyone in it (laughs) and poor denver (laughs) poor denver and although it was there was some great humor in there when denver was explaining to him you know to kill this demon and get the ring you gotta have the glove and angel's like okay now you're making this up Denver's been using the glove as an oven mitt. I know, picked it up at seven, in 75 at a yard sale in Covina. Yeah, but notice that, like, 75 in the 75-year review. Yeah, oh, that interesting. Very interesting. That is. And Denver still has faith in Angel, mm-hmm. and he's trying to give Angel a pep talk, but then Darla shows up and stabs him through with a sword and also runs the sword through Angel, and I was like, damn, Darla! Like... <laughs> She's like, yes, walk toward the wounded human. That's the way to do it, Angel. She didn't even mean to stab him. She was just like, whoops. I know. Oh, my God. She is so cold and badass. I know. I know. It's great. But, like, I wonder, though, I don't know. We'll get to that in the the questions. But, like, why does she need the glove? She she just wanted the ring for traveling or what? I know. Like, I wasn't really sure what Darla's plan was exactly, but... I liked her and Angel both going after the same thing. Yeah. Well, and I love what she says to Angel. The ring's not about vengeance, Angelus. It's about power. Because it's always about power. That's something that's a reprise well, not just in Angel, but in Buffy. We get that um, later on in Buffy. It's about power. You know, it's like this big theme. And, um, and it's interesting the different ways that Angel and Buffy both kind of deal with power and the way that they deal with, with evil. You know, it's a it's a really interesting because they're two completely different places, but it's it's very oh, they very are. cool. It's very cool. Well, and I think it's really telling that in an episode that includes sex with Darla yeah. and Darla in a red dress, that I may have written the most notes about Holland Manners. I know. <laughs> The Holland Manor stuff was very cool, though. Oh, my God. It was so great. You know, Angel gets the ring and he's like, "Okay, home office, let's finish this. And the elevator door dings and opens and there's Holland Manor's applauding. Yeah. Angel, you know, Mm -hmm. and then he's like, it's just me dead me and i was like oh holland's still dead he's still dead (laughs) he's He's still still dead dead, like so many people (laughs) yeah and even in an elevator that goes straight to hell there's still bad music i know i know i love it (laughs) i love this whole thing when he's talking about like you know the question why fight right angel says Mm -hmm. why fight then if it doesn't mean anything and manner says that's really the question isn't it You know, we would never do anything so prosaic as winning. And this whole idea that the fight that Angel has been in is not a fight. Like, you know, it's just he's already lost. And so I love this whole philosophy. They have this whole big discussion, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's it's so 
great. And I remember the first time I watched it, I felt like Angel's, you know, going after this whole big thing and he's going after this big moment where he gets to sacrifice himself and just end it all. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. and he goes into this elevator and has this discussion like in a show that's always a big fight scene at the end. It's big action piece and all this kind of stuff. It's just a discussion. And Mm -hmm. in the discussion, he loses like he yes. loses what it was that he thought he was fighting for. And like narratively, that's a completely legitimate thing because narratively you've got a protagonist and an antagonist and they're locked in battle. And then one of them wins and one of them loses. And that's just how it goes. Now it's not considered a win necessarily. Well, Holland is a representative of Wolfram and Hart. So, I mean, yeah. he doesn't even consider it a win. It's just, this is the stage upon which you are dancing. And you may have thought it was a different stage, but this is it. So Angel loses the only thing he had left, the thing that he had sacrificed everything for, which was this sense of purpose, which is so huge for him. Like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, you know? Um, And it's, for me, when I first watched this episode, I felt a little disappointed. Like, oh, we're just going to have a conversation and then that's oh. it. But when you see how the story here is really working on that deeper level, you mm-hmm. know, um, Angel working in a paradigm that he doesn't understand, you know, right. and then when he understands it, it's like nothing matters, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I always thought it was incredibly powerful yeah. because mm-hmm. there's nothing more powerful than words. Mm-hmm. And the stories we tell ourselves and the stories we tell each other. And Angel, you know, who had been on such a quest for meaning, mm-hmm. to have Holland pretty much rip the meaning away and tear it to shreds, you yeah. know, saying, that's the question you should be asking yourself, because for us, there is no fight. You know, winning yeah. doesn't enter into it. We just go on no matter what. Mm-hmm. And, then, and he's so nonchalant about it. You know, he says the world doesn't work in spite of e- of evil angel. It works with us. It works because of us. Yeah. And then that elevator door opens to the exact spot where they left. And Holland says, welcome to the home office. Yeah. And angel is so devastated. He just drops the glove and walks out like in a state of shock. And the heartbreak on his face is it just kills me. Yeah. Everything that he believed, everything that he thought he was fighting for, everything he thought he is, has now just been stripped away. Yeah. And then he goes back home and nothing matters. Mm -hmm. And that's what he says to Darla. Nothing matters. And then he just gives in, you know, and and goes after her. And I mean, it's violent. Like he throws her through a door. Like, oh, yeah, it is. And here's, you know, Kate giving her suicide message. And doesn't do anything, you know, whatever, doesn't matter, you know, like his and that's the thing for Angel. Everything is always about what it means. He's been that way from the moment we started this this show, you know, from the beginning. It's all about what it means. And when there's no meaning, he doesn't even know like what Mm -hmm. to hold on to. And that is so incredibly, incredibly powerful, you know? Oh yeah. Um, And then in the background, we've got this, you know, the, the, the team, right. You know, Wesley Mm -hmm. Gunn and Cordelia. And um, you know, we mentioned it before, but when he comes in to get those books, you know, and he says, don't make me move you. And Cordelia, like the fact that he would say that to her, You know, and she says, I don't even know what you are anymore. And he says, I'm a vampire. Look it up. Like, it's so cold. But I love 
I love how Wesley handles him. Wesley stands up and, of course, opens his stitches. And that's Mm -hmm. so sad, you know. But he's standing up to Angel, injured, you know, never anywhere as strong as Angel. But his standing up has so much strength and power to it, even though that's Mm -hmm. all he can do. If it it came down to a fight between him and Angel, Wesley would die, you know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But I love that he that he stands up for Cordelia you know, mm-hmm. and that he's got her back no matter what. And I just, I love that. And then we have that scene where Virginia breaks up with Wesley and yeah. she's snuggling him and he says, this is really hard for you, isn't it? And she's like, yeah, I don't like seeing you be hurt. And he's like, no, breaking up with me. And it's just, it was so incredibly sweet and sad, mm-hmm. you know? It was. And then when he calls Cordelia and he says, I'm not feeling that great. And she's like, well, yeah, you just pulled your stitches open. But we know that's not, that's not why, you know? Right. He's taking the day off so he can move out of Virginia's apartment. And it's just, it's so, and then when he's talking to Cordelia and he's like, you're young, you're single, it's Friday night in the city of, you know, and he's making fun of the way that she said angel. Yeah. And she goes, well, no, because I'd have to actually have some friends if I was going out. And she goes, I don't. And he goes, that's not true. And she says, you don't count. And yeah. like, it, that is actually, although it, it seems like not sweet, it is this incredibly sweet thing, you know? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, because she counts him as family. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's something higher than a friend that she would just go out with. And yeah, that moment between them on the phone was very sweet. I love that. And I and I really liked how Wesley knew Virginia was breaking up with him, maybe yeah. even a second before she did, and made it easier for her. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. Like he obviously didn't want to break up with her, but mm-hmm. he made it easier for her. He did it for her. Yeah. And he's just uh, like, I, this is when I love Wesley. You know, yes. he's had he's had some bad moments. I'm not going to lie. He's <laughs> had some bad moments. But God, he's so great. He was so great. And and when Angel told them, I'm a vampire, look it up. Mm-hmm. He's defining himself. And he didn't say I'm a vampire with a soul. Right. And so it seemed to me that he had run out of everything. Like you said, mm-hmm. there was nothing left for him to hold on to. Yeah. So he's trying to go back home mm-hmm. which is darla yeah. and be a vampire again yeah like he i think almost is hoping to lose his soul again in that moment right to literally lose himself in her mm-hmm. and it's it's just so well done yeah the whole thing was just fantastic yeah um, it was but there, so there were a couple of funny things at the beginning <laughs> that like i keep thinking now if ikea Sold sacrificial boxes. Right. Like, <laughs> with those guys slit the throat of the sacrifice with the pre-blessed ceremonial dagger provided. Right. And I was like, oh, no, Lonnie, they're sacrificing goats. I know. I was like, oh, goats. You know? Goats. And the blonde guy in the opening episode, or the opening uh, um, scene, is David Fury, who writes oh. for Buffy. And, and I think he's, he's written some for Angel, too. Oh, um, I didn't but know yeah, that. Yeah. So that was, it's always fun to see the writers, you know? Yeah. That, so that was, was cool. And, but I was like, all right, Wolfram and Hart, when you outsource your sacrificial rituals, you might be cutting too many corners. Right. <laughs> like, I get that evil needs some efficiencies, but damn. Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. Yeah. It's tough to be an evil, evil law <laughs> firm these days. You know, regulations and everything. It's really. <laughs> yeah. And, and I loved, I loved Cordy saying, it's LA. The evil's probably just tied up in traffic or something. Right. And. <laughs> And I really love the whole senior partner home office metaphor. Yeah. Like that mm-hmm. just, 
you know, in the world building of a law firm. It just, it was fantastic. Right. And it does, like, it's such corporate speak, but it has that evil mm-hmm. undertone to it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love this moment with Lila and Lindsay where she's all freaking out and everything. And they're talking about the woman who sacrificed her child to the senior partner. She's like such a kiss ass. My mother was right. I should have had children. Yeah. I was like, Damn, Lila. That was cold. I love Lila. Lila's and not awesome. only did the woman sacrifice her kid, she pulled the kid out of the company daycare I to know. do it. <laughs> I was like, damn. This place is cold, man. It's cold. Yeah. God, it was cold. God. All right. So, so that takes care of our moments of perfect happiness. What'd you have in mm-hmm. stake this? Let me see if I can possibly guess. See if you can guess. I don't know. Are you going to stake Kate? Are you going to stake Kate? <laughs> so first of all, why the fuck does Angel go to Kate for help? I mean, Angel, have you lost your damn mind, baby? This woman is not your friend. Yeah, but, you know, she's uh, she's the only one he's got left. He doesn't have Ugh. any friends. All he has are, you know, people who will talk to him and people who won't. And she'll at least talk God. to him. I mean, you talk about yeah. perfect despair. Like, you don't have to have sex with Darla. If Kate is your only friend, exactly. you can hit the bottom. <laughs> right? Exactly. I mean, damn. And... <laughs> And, like, maybe I'm cold. I do not care about Kate's hearing. (laughs) I I don't care. Like, no, it's not fair that she's being blamed by the zombie captain. But she's done enough bad as a cop. And she is still a racist bully. And I just don't feel enough for her to feel bad for her right now. (laughs) Except for the guy who said, I'm just glad your father's not around to see this. Because... Yeah, that was an asshole. No, line. seriously. Fuck that guy. I did yeah. like I did sympathize with Kate at one point when she talks about him locking those people up to be killed, you know, yeah. and that the killers had to actually break out because they were locked in. And OK, that's one instance where I can see why she's pissed at Angel, because she was the one who set him free to go save those people. You know, so um, so I mean, I I kind of understood that, you know, Mm -hmm. and then in the hearing when the when the guy's like, is this the part where you start to talk about monsters? And I was like, "Okay, way to be a dick. Right. And the woman and wouldn't you know, like the men on the board are assholes. And the only person who is sympathetic or nice at all, of course, is a woman. Of course. Yeah, I don't know. And then but then at the end, so I had a couple of moments where I was like, "Okay, Kate. I see your point. <laughs> I see your point once or twice. But then she takes all those pills and she calls up Angel and she leaves this guilt message. Like mm-hmm. the last thing, like you're trying to kill yourself. And the last thing you're going to do on this planet is put that weight, the weight of your suicide on someone else so that they have to live with that. Yeah, That is I think one of the worst things out of everything she's ever done, that's one of the worst. Well, I felt terrible about myself as a human being because when she's guilt tripping him, she said, you'll either feel bad or you won't care. And I was like, Kate, I don't care. I'm (laughs) on the side of not caring. Of not caring. (laughs) I know. And it's terrible because like somebody in pain and somebody committing. So, I mean, that's a serious thing and like even when it's somebody you don't like somebody in that kind of pain like you know you feel for them but like that the last thing that you do on this earth oh yeah is yeah that was a total dick move just call somebody so that they feel terrible and it's so manipulative you'll either feel bad or you won't care like the hell is that 
Right. It's yeah. absolutely terrible. And I am awful. not at all sad that Reprise and Epiphany are Kate's last episodes. No, me neither. It's like, oh, thank God. Here we go. Done with Here our, we one go. way or the other. We're almost done. We're almost done. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Did you have anything else to stake? The only other thing, it's not really a stake. It's just I felt a lot for Cordy and Wes and Gunn yeah. in this episode. But there's so much important stuff going on with Angel that their stories just got lost a little. Yeah. No, they and do. The, you know, the the three-eyed demons and the, the Sharp family and them not paying them. But mm-hmm. then, you know, Cordy's totally willing to drive out there to get that check. <laughs> like, the Sharp family has been nothing but bad news. And then, damn, the demon breaks the mom's neck. And I'm like, Ooh. you just wasted a perfectly good scalp. Exactly. And you need to, like, lay these eggs or whatever. Right. That no. didn't make any sense to me. But it was it was kind of shocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it really just to, was shocking to see her, you know, her neck get broken like that, mm-hmm. and the way that these demons played out in both of these episodes, I wish had been a little different because the grossness of the demons visually yeah. takes away from some of the dark power that it should have had in these yeah. two episodes. Mm-hmm. I just don't like I don't like those demons. No, those demons are really really super gross. But you know what also is really weird. Cordy's shirt made out of moss. Did you notice that? <laughs> I did not until I saw it in your notes. <laughs> she was wearing a fuzzy green shirt. And it wasn't fuzzy, like, in a good way. It was like, <laughs> it, it literally looked like they had just taken a sheet of moss and put a, you know, tie around it around her neck. And that was it. I'm like, that was a, that's a weird shirt. That's a, I mean, I'm not like, I don't want to make fun of anybody else's fashion choices. I am hardly like a fashion maven, but that's a weird shirt. <laughs> Yeah, it was a weird chart. <laughs> All right. So what do you have for research mode? So the 75-year review at Wolfram and Hart is cool. Mm-hmm. But but what gets reviewed? How mm-hmm. does it work? Why every 75 years? And how are the lawyers being graded? Like, is there an evil accreditation association? Because I need to see this rubric. Well, right. And if it's 75 years, right, then it doesn't happen in everybody's lifetime. Right. Although I guess from Holland Manors, we can see that they do sometimes unnaturally extend the lifetime of some of these people. <laughs> so like, I, I guess the whole point of the 75-year review is that somebody from the senior partners comes down. I guess it's so that it can be in living memory, you know, oh. so that people can tell the story and they just come down and destroy these people. So whoever happens to be there at the 75-year review when the music stops is just going to get <laughs> slaughtered, you know, just so that they can instill enough fear in these people, you right. know, that, that, you know, no matter what, somebody was there. Well, although somebody was there, if they were, were professionally active, they'd have to be, plus having gone to law school, they'd have to be at least 25. So right. for somebody, for it to be in living memory for somebody, they'd have to be 100 years old. And I guess if you're working with some demons, that's possible. For people to be able to say, oh, I was here the last time, and it took us ages to get blood out of the carpet, you know? Because right. um, you, they have all these stories about what happened. Everybody's nervous. Everybody's trying to impress them. They're doing rituals all over the place. Like, it's just, it's, it's an interesting idea, though. Like, I like oh, the yeah. idea of it. And I like that there's, you know, people who have these you know two guys just sacrificing goats you know <laughs> for them like, i don't know they just said to read the latin i don't know you know i don't know they um, said to sound it out like, yeah. I, it's like plus you would think they would put a little more care into that if it's so important but yeah. i kept wondering i'm like all right is this the evil version of succession planning like is this the <laughs> 
Like, I don't know what the yeah. hell was up with that. But it was, there's so many things with Wolfram and Hart that are so intriguing. Yeah. It's, but then it's they don't get explained. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's an intriguing idea. I mean, I really kind of, I like it as an idea. I like that it's got all the lawyers, you know, nervous and hanging out at Caritas and just yeah. doing rituals everywhere just to like, Im- just impress the partners, you know. Um, it's, it's kind of fun, kind of interesting, but mm-hmm. also a little bit weird and sort of hard to understand. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of things that were intriguing, but yeah. not clear, my next research question is apparently, after they were set on fire, mm-hmm. Drusilla went to Lindsay. Yes. To get help for Darla, and then Drew left. Yes. So I'm like, so was Darla hurt worse than Drew? Or were they playing Lindsay with that whole thing? I think they've got to be playing Lindsay. Okay. I think they've got to, because I mean, it's clear that Darla is definitely playing Lindsay. Um, yeah. And Drew just took off. I guess, because once you've been lit on fire in a town, you kind of want to go somewhere else for a while, I guess. Yeah, yeah, Um, I think Drew had enough. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think so. But it's, yeah, it's interesting. And maybe, like, I I guess the way I would headcanon it would be that Drew would want to leave, but Darla wants to stay, and Drew doesn't want Angel to kill her, so she's going to go. There's plenty of other places where she can go, and nobody's going to try to kill her. And Darla would say, well, go tell Lindsay that I'm here so he can find me and feel like the hero. And right. then and then that way she gets him, you know, kind of working with her. So, I mean, that's kind of like what I suspect happened, but we don't have any clarity on any of that. Right. No, that makes sense to me. So, but then the big research questions all came from Holland. Yeah. Right. So he's explaining the nature of evil. And, you know, he says Wolfram and Hart has been around since the first caveman clubbed his neighbor. Like, mm-hmm. and he said, and when the elevator doors open and they see all the people, Holland says, if there wasn't evil in every single one of them, well, they wouldn't be people. They'd all be angels. Right. Oh, my God. So, like, first of all, that is such a dark thesis statement. Mm -hmm. The idea that evil is what makes us human. Evil is what separates us from angels. Mm -hmm. And I love the play here with Angel's name. Right. Right. Because without evil, what would Angel be? And could he become an actual angel? angel like is that the role he could play in the apocalypse right but there's always darkness in angel like he is an angel but he is corrupted i mean he's he's a vampire he's got evil within him and he has to fight that all the time right right so it's really kind of interesting how holland manners chooses to taunt him with that oh they'd all be angels and he's supposed to be an angel but he can't be that good right you know and and i don't believe that there is true evil in everyone. I believe there's a capacity for darkness in each of us. Mm-hmm. We're all creatures of shadow and light. But I don't believe evil is what makes us human. I will always believe that our capacity for love is what makes us human. And love and creativity and free will and connection to each other and to the universe, not because of darkness, but in spite of it. Mm-hmm. But even my romantic heart loves the edge of this storyline yeah in angel and i love holland's ability to fully personify this idea so i reject holland's premise mm-hmm. but i love how it aligns with his purpose and worldview and how his fate that he's on the right side of things is utterly unshakable even after he is dead yeah yeah no i think it's really interesting and i think it is like an interesting 
idea coming from that perspective right Mm -hmm. that there is evil everywhere you know like the whole idea we've got this los angeles noir kind of feel to this story and of course noir is about the the corrupted man who is trying to save the people who have not yet been corrupted right but there is corruption he's seen in everybody like he's looking around and he is seeing the evil and i think that um or you know not even the evil but the weakness right? right you know and i think that Holland sees the capacity for evil and and believes that anybody can be turned because that is what he is. We see ourselves reflected around us, you know, Um, and everything that we see, we see through a very particular lens based on our experiences and our worldview. And Angel, when he comes out of that elevator, is looking through Holland Manor's lens, you know, so he's seeing what Holland has taking him down into the depths, right? Literally hitting rock bottom, you know, with him, taking him down into this, in this dark place and set up this idea, told him all of this stuff with complete and utter certainty. We would never do anything so prosaic as winning. You know, we've already won. Evil's everywhere, right? I don't believe that any of that is true. They're absolutely, they were looking to get Angel on their side in the fight. I mean, mm-hmm. if you got a side in a fight, you do believe in winning. So all of this is just Holland Manor is just messing with Angel's head. Yeah, you know, but he does such a great he job. He does with it. such a great job. And he's so convincing. And I love it when Angel, you know, says, well, why fight? Because mm-hmm. why fight? The answer to that question is the core of everything Angel is. Everything Angel yes. has been is is part of that question but when he answers that question in the next episode like damn that's when we that's when we know what angel is about absolutely yes all right so i'm gonna brood reprise is a great episode and resets the stage upon which angel dances which is good dark angel is terrific but we lose him if he goes too dark for too long and i like that we build up to all of this not through a huge action set piece but through a slow realization for angel that it just doesn't matter that he will never win Reprise is a turning point for Angel, a deeper understanding of purpose. Angel always wants to know the why, but the reality is there is no why. And that's the why and why this episode is a watcher. And that will bring us into Epiphany. Epiphany begins exactly where Reprise ends, with thunder and lightning storming as Angel awakes in bed next to Darla, having soul pains but not the kind we expected. Darla is devastated and furious to discover that Angel still has a soul. Turns out that his perfect surrender to perfect despair saved him and brought him back to himself. Angel leaves to save Kate, kicks her door down and revives her, and then goes to Lorne, who warns him that Cordelia, Wesley, and Gunn might not live through the night. They're being hunted by the three-eyed demons who want revenge for their spawn's destruction, and Angel's on the case, until Lindsay derails him by smashing him with his truck. Fighting, bonding, and snark about epiphanies ensues as Angel rescues his crew and asks to come back to work for them. Epiphany aired on February 27th, 2001. It was directed by Thomas J. Wright, who also directed Blind Date in season one and was written by Tim Minear. And I have to say, Tim Minear, pretty good. 
did oh, yeah. kind of a good job. These are big, yes. heavy set piece uh, episodes for the season. I mean, the, the whole season, and I think there's an argument to say the whole series turns on these two episodes. Yes, you know? I agree. And uh, so, I mean, that was no small task, and he did such a great job. All right, perfect happiness scale. Zero is stake this, six is lost your soul. Where are you at, Dr. Jones? I am soulless at a six. (laughs) (laughs) I've surrendered my soul at a perfect six. (laughs) It's my favorite episode of Angel so far. Mm -hmm. And other than the gross third eye demons and the disgusting demon goo, it is one of my favorite episodes of the whole show. Mm -hmm. So we have Darla and Despair and Lorne and Hope and the team starting to come back together. And Lindsay in his badass ass-kicking cowboy boots. So yes and yes, please. Well, I also lost my soul to Epiphany because it's just so damn good. I love this episode. It's so great. It's funny and it's touching. It's all about mending those relationships. I love that Angel knows that he has to earn his way back. He can't just come in and be like, hey, I'm here. Forgive me. You know, uh, we get down dirty Lindsay and his kick ass shitty ass truck, which I love. I love that he still has those boots. I love that he still has that plaid shirt. I love that he still has that truck. This is absolutely part of his identity. Um, And it also gives us the angel mission statement, which from the beginning of the season, from the beginning of the show, I have been talking about how there's one moment in Angel that I love as much as I love anything on television, and it is in this episode. So definitely a six for me. Woohoo! Perfect happiness, baby. That's right. So (laughs) what are your moments of perfect happiness? So my moments of perfect happiness start with perfect despair. Oh, yeah. As these things so often do. (laughs) We have... Darla so flummoxed and hurt because Angel still has his soul. Yeah. And she is being truly open and vulnerable with him. She says, you weren't tricked into this. I Mm -hmm. didn't seduce you. You wanted this. Mm -hmm. You know, and Angel says, yes, and it was perfect. Perfect despair. You were the thing that made me what I am. And I thought if I could save you, I could somehow save myself. But I was wrong. And I failed. And you saved me. And I'm sorry I couldn't save you, too. And oh, my God, I just I know, I know, it's so good. And of course, like, I love that moment. Was it was it not good? Well, I don't accept that. You can't tell me that wasn't perfect. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) I go again professionally. That was perfect. (laughs) I love that with her. And I love his whole speech. You know, and he like he couldn't save her and he wanted to save her. And he was like, you've saved me. You know, um, it was so, so great. And then he's like, get dressed and get out, because the next time I see you, I will have to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I love that they fell asleep yeah. in bed together. Yeah. And I even I went back. Because he, you know, woke up and they're in the, that solid blue sheets, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. I went back and watched the clip when he wakes up with Buffy. Yeah. I was desperately hoping that the sheets were the same color. Yeah. But they're not. They're not. No. But, but that would have been so cool. <laughs> we have so many reflections of that moment after he slept with Buffy. And it's a deliberate mislead, which I'm not a fan of. At the end of Reprise, yeah. everybody's supposed to be, oh, my God, he lost his soul. Even though we've covered it, it's not about the sex. <laughs> Like, we've done this thing. Um, And then we have the exact same. There's the thunderstorm. He stumbles outside into the rain. He falls to the ground. He arches up and looks at the sky. And you can see the pain on his face. And I was like, oh, God, he's not 
losing his but soul. I was so glad his eyes did not change color and like he realizes what has happened and then Darla realizes what has happened and we right. actually get a moment of empathy yeah. from Darla you know she's yeah. like don't fight it just let it happen she mm-hmm. calls him my love yeah says it'll only hurt for a minute and she's like I know it was the same for me the soul is gone and it leaves a bitterness but it will pass mm-hmm. and like she's actually caring for him in that moment yeah mm-hmm. she came there to kill him mm-hmm. but he gave himself over to her so completely and she felt him surrender she doesn't have mm-hmm. to and she thinks she's got her dear boy back yeah you know and he thinks he was going to escape from all of this pain that he's carrying mm-hmm. only to realize the exact opposite end of perfect happiness yeah hitting that absolute bottom of despair but realizing that he still has his soul yeah that saved him mm-hmm and I just thought it was so beautifully done. Oh, God. It was just incredible. It was incredible. And I mean, I loved everything in it. And I love how this episode can be so powerful and so thoughtful and yet so freaking funny. I was laughing through this whole thing. I laughed my ass off through this whole thing. So he leaves Starla and he mm-hmm. goes to Lorne and he's, you know, begging on the banging on the door, ringing the bell, ringing the bell. And Lauren's coming to answer. She's like, all right, all right, keep your pants on. And then he opens the door and says, well, I can see we're a little late with that advice. (laughs) I love how Lauren knows everything. They don't have to sing for him anymore. He just reads right into him. (laughs) He just knows everything, you know. Yeah. And he says, he tells Angel, he's like, the point is you've turned a corner. And if Mm -hmm. it had taken you much longer to hit your bottom, I was going to kick it. I know. (laughs) I know. How many people threatened to kick Angel's butt? Like, so, so it was cute. so good god and i love that when angel says how do i get back you know and lauren says you don't you go on to a new place whatever that is and like in the middle of all of this funny stuff and lauren's lovely dialogue and all of this stuff like right at the heart of it is you don't go back you can right. never go back you know like once you've had an experience it becomes part of who you are you cannot get rid of it so you can just go forward find a new place and go from there but you can always choose Mm -hmm. to go forward and but when when Lord told Angel if all you're gonna do is switch back to brood mode we'd rather have you evil than at least leather pants (laughs) he looks over at his pants when he says that it is (laughs) Oh my God, it's so it is adorable. Priceless. But then I, I love right under that humor is, you know, we get steely, stern, yeah. Lorne. Yeah. And Angel says, Well, what do the powers, you know, want me to do now? Mm-hmm. And Lorne says, I'm not your link to the powers, Angel. I never was. Yeah. You fired your link to the powers. I'm mm-hmm. not the one who's supposed to help you. Your team yeah. is. He's like, That's going to be the hardest part of all of this. And Angel's like, Well, I guess it depends on if they'll listen to me. And Lorne says, it depends, but actually it depends on whether or not they live through the night. <laughs> right. And then we go through this whole thing, right? <laughs> we move into adventure. We've had our philosophical talks. Right. right. <laughs> you know? Right. And I love that. It's called a moment of clarity, my lamb, and you just had one. <laughs> that is my favorite Lorne line it is of the entire so series. so fantastic. I it know. So I love it. good. It is so incredibly good. All right. So speaking of moments of perfect happiness, I don't think we can possibly talk about perfect happiness without talking about Lindsay McDonald. <laughs> Lindsay McDonald. Oh, my God. I mean... 
Oh my God. When he comes in, you know, he keeps talking to Darla. He's talking about them as an us. He's like, you know, we, you should have told me I would have stopped you or I would have helped you. And he's doing this whole thing. And he's talking to her like she's his girlfriend. Like she's not your girlfriend, Lindsay. She's a vampire. She's clearly using you. And I think that he knows that he just doesn't care. He just wants to live in this fantasy world until she kills him. Mm -hmm. I think that's his plan because he doesn't care the 75 year review. And he's like, whatever happens, happens. Like every time somebody's (laughs) going to kill him, he's like, so (laughs) I don't care. Whatever. Go ahead. Kill me. You know, eventually this is going to end. But you know what he does care about? Mm -hmm. He cares about angels sleeping with Darla. No. Oh, he does. (laughs) He like, and I oh, love does. this contrast, right? So mm-hmm. when Angel gets into battle mode, yeah. we see him grabbing his cape and yes. his axes and his stakes. Mm-hmm. But when Lindsay gets into battle mode, he gets his cowboy boots. His and I was like, boots. hell yes. His flannel <laughs> shirt. Yeah. Yes. Like, this is awesome. And the shitty ass truck, which you know he's kept. He kept the cowboy boots and the shirt yep. and everything his whole time. And, you know, there's this whole thing about identity and that the clothing makes you what you are. Superman isn't Superman until he puts on the outfit, you know? Right. right. And so here we have Lindsay defaulting back to his identity to who he is and where he's from and he takes that guy and a sledgehammer (laughs) and i was like hell yes because those would have been my weapons of choice too like you can't go kick ass until you put on your boots until you put on your boots take off your earrings put on your boots put on your boots and put your hair back baby and go like Mm -hmm. and that truck is everything and him running over angel and driving circles and kicking ass and being so full of fury and i just love it yeah and i have officially named Lindsay's truck fender okay this is (laughs) the truck's name you mean the thing it doesn't have anymore because it hit angel with it so much (laughs) yes the thing it doesn't have anymore and the brand of a guitar right right very nice very nice angel's trying to do the right thing and Mm -hmm. Lindsay is chasing his ass down I with his know. sledgehammer and i was like Lindsay is channeling his inner thor yeah like oh that's mjolnir <laughs> that's that's exactly yes. that's backwoods country mjolnir <laughs> and he beats the hell out of angel but then angel oh is like right back and he kicks the shit out of Lindsay, and he's oh like i'm sorry she never loved you punch 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 i'm sorry you made the wrong choice punch 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 and then he smashes Lindsay's plastic hand and he oh says my god it could have been the other one it could Just have been be glad i had an epiphany oh mind if god. i borrow your truck <laughs> <laughs> I like, oh my god i loved that whole thing so much so it was my favorite thing much. when Lindsay comes out and finds his <laughs> destroyed truck that angel drove into somebody's house <laughs> a little right. note that says thank you thanks <laughs> it's a little note tucked on the window shield that's all I broken know. oh thanks my god. oh that's god so it was so great but i could not believe how much i laughed i mean this is one of the most emotionally moving philosophically deep episodes we get and it is also hilarious i know i was laughing hysterically through this whole thing yeah. you know it was so great um but now we've got all the stuff with the team right mm-hmm. all of these moments of perfect happiness with the team i mean there's so much stuff that i absolutely love i mean 
here we've got Cordy. You know, she goes to this house. Yeah. Thinking this woman is actually going to pay her, you know. And it's so funny because, like, if you go to a house and it's dark and you knock on the door and nobody answers, you leave. Unless right. you're Cordy and somebody owes you money. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she is going to get paid. Like, maybe they went out and they left the check sitting on a table or something. Exactly. It is so incredibly funny. And then they're, you know, and then we've got these three horrible demons with the eyes in the back of their head. And I mean, that's just gross. And poor Cordy is caught with these guys. And he's like, three, you know, did the D, three must pay, you know, so they're, yeah. so they're collecting Wesley and Gunn. And it's just, oh, God, we've located the wheeled one. And then we go <laughs> to Wesley, you know, cleaning up his dirty dishes in his apartment by himself because he took the day to move into his crappy yeah. apartment from Virginia's really, really lovely place. And he was carrying those books in his lap, moving I stuff know. around. And I, I think he really needs my help. Uh, he does. He needs your help unpacking all those I think books. He does. I really? know. Mm-hmm. I know. God, it was so sweet. And then he hears the noise and he goes in, he gets his uh, shotgun, you know, mm-hmm. from the closet. And he's so badass. And I love that. And he's at the door with the shotgun. Angel's like, invite me in. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> and then he sees the demons and he says, hi, I invite you in. <laughs> I invite you in. And then he goes, and I invite you. <laughs> so great and i love that he has an axe hanging on the wall i know of course he does of course of course he does does. and and they they have that moment where they're smiling at each other and then wesley stops it's like he has to remind himself no you're mad at angel you can't smile at him i know but they had that moment together they've been in the fight and all this stuff Mm -hmm. and he remembers like how they how they feel about each other but then you know he remembers what angel has done and the fact that he's not forgiven because you have to earn your way to forgive and I love that. I mean, it's so sad, you know, but I love that moment because I think it's just so incredibly powerful. And you see how much Wesley really does care about Angel. Yeah. And I love and the conversation between them and Angel trying to make small talk. I when know. When he's like, hey, guess who stabbed me? And Wesley's like, <laughs> Darla, we all saw that coming, dude. And, and I was like, oh, they need tea. They do need they- tea. I know. But I <laughs> love that tea. when he's trying to... Angel's trying to bond. He's like, I have a gut wound, too. I mean, from a a sword, an antique sword. Hey, guess who stabbed me? I mean, it's just so incredibly, incredibly sweet. And then he's just like, all right, so why don't you just tell me about the Skylush team? Right. And but then Angel tells Wesley, you know, you were always so good with your books. I'm Mm -hmm. like, he's trying like Angel's trying so hard and he's so bad at this. And he's (laughs) but he's really trying. I know. Oh, God. When they go back to the office, you Mm -hmm. know, and they're looking for Cordy and Angel says, well, knowing her, she went out, you know, and Wes is like, but you don't you don't know her at all. For months now, you haven't cared to. Otherwise, you might realize that our Cordelia has become a very solitary girl. She's not the vain, carefree creature she once was. Well, certainly not carefree. Yeah. (laughs) But he does that whole speech and it's so wonderful the way that he talks about Cordelia with this deep respect, mm-hmm. you know, and like defending. I mean, oh, God, it's so wonderful. It's so good. And he, and he tells Angel, he's like, those visions were meant to guide you. Yeah. And you were free to turn away from them. But she has not had that luxury. Yeah. And I was like, yes, this is how you stand for someone. And I loved seeing Wesley. I know, especially with all the bickering that he and Cordy used to do, which I hated. Like, I love this so much more. And then Gunn comes in. So what's he doing here? And Wesley's like, he had an epiphany. (laughs) (laughs) And and 
Gunn wouldn't listen to Angel's answer. He only yes. would listen to, to <laughs> Wesley. And then Angel's like, well, I see you guys have bonded. Yeah, and right. <laughs> Angel's trying to figure out why Cordy would go alone to that house. Right. And Wes and Gunn at the same time say, they owe us money. And Angel's like, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so good. It and is then, so great. And like, I know this was a little cheesy humor, but I don't care. It delights me. Right. So Gunn is, is kind of listening and giving Angel like, like the sidiest of side eyes, mm-hmm. you know. He's like, "So you had an epiphany, huh? What? You just woke up and bang?" And Angel's like, "Sort of the other way around." <laughs> so funny. It was really cute. And then I love this where Gunn is so. I mean, you see how bonded he was with Wesley. You know, mm-hmm. when he comes in, they're doing the handshake and they're like being so cool with each other, and it's so great. And then Gunn's talking about Angel's epiphany. He's like, "Well, I hope you don't have another one before we get to Cordelia, because if something happens to her, something." Than bad i might just have me an epiphany i love that i love that too. i love how they're so bonded as like a family you know yeah and when they when they get distracted by the demons attacking them and angel mm-hmm. tells gun and wesley you know go on get yeah. to cordelia that's all that matters like mm-hmm. right after we heard him say nothing matters yeah and now he's back to the people he loves mattering yeah i thought that was so great and no. this was a tiny thing mm-hmm. but wesley keeps falling over because i mean gunshot wound yeah and, right <laughs> you know when the demons capture them and bring him inside he starts to topple and one of the demons catches him and wesley says oh thank you oh thank and you oh my God. <laughs> all the time i know i know it's so great and then of course they have this big scene where angel drives into the house and i'm really glad that nobody was like in front of that window that we care about yeah (laughs) crashes Lindsay's truck into the house it's just it's so it killed me it's It's so so good and he's so so happy because they're all okay you know but then we have this heartbreaking moment and he asked Cordelia, are you okay? And she says, no, you really mm-hmm. hurt my feelings. Oh, and God. she's not just going to let him off the hook. I know. And I love that. And then after he talks to them, you know, and he says, I want to work for you. And Cordy says, how do we know we can trust you? And Angel says, I guess I'll just have to earn that. And I'm like, yes, that is how an apology is done. You yes. apologize, you acknowledge what you did, and then you earn your forgiveness. You do not demand it. You do not get it instantly. It takes time and you have to earn it and you have to prove that you can earn it. This week, one of the professors at my at the school where I work, a guy named uh, Anthony D'Angelo, was actually quoted in, in Reader's Digest. And it was this quote that I just absolutely loved when I read it. And it was, you cannot talk yourself out out of a situation that you behaved your way into. Oh, and I love I, that. I love that. I thought it was so great. And that's exactly what Angel understands. And, you know, in what we've got going on kind of in the world now where, you know, a lot of men are being held accountable for their behavior in a way that they haven't been held accountable before. And they sit there and they whine and they're like, well, how long do I have to wait? What do I have to do? And it's like, you haven't done anything. You right. have to behave your way out and you have to wait and it takes time and nobody owes you that forgiveness you know like you have to actually they all need to watch angel oh yeah. all all men uh, need to watch angel everyone should watch angel because, everyone should well, watch angel and at the end of the day words mm-hmm. are easy and yeah, just words because are easy. just because you feel bad mm-hmm. does not erase you know <laughs> what you've done to someone else and because words are easy mm-hmm. then how you act and what you do 
are what matters. And yeah. you have to be willing to show someone, you know, mm-hmm. to actively demonstrate that you're sorry or that you're going to do things differently. Right. And it takes time, time with action. Your words don't mean anything. You exactly. can say whatever you want, but you need to first apologize with your words. Yes. <laughs> you know, acknowledge what you did and why it was wrong. And then behave your way out of it. And behaving your way out of it takes time. It takes forever. In Angel's case, it's taking, you know, hundreds of years. Right. Well, and but he started that process here because he doesn't Mm -hmm. just come in with an apology. Yeah. He asks if he can come back to work for them instead of with them. Mm -hmm. So he's offering this, I will change my role on this team. I will change how we function together. I'm asking for this chance for you to let me, you know, to let me humble myself. Right. And let me show you that I'm I'm willing to help because I think I can help people if if you're willing to work with me. And I love everything about that. It's so fantastic. It's absolutely the right way to do this thing. And it is a model Mm -hmm. (laughs) for everybody. There's three steps. (laughs) Apologize, (laughs) acknowledge and behave. Those yep. are three things that you have to do if you really, truly want somebody's forgiveness. Those are the things that you have to do. And, and we even get a model for having a great kick-ass fight. Yes. Put on your boots. Put on Drive your boots. a truck like crazy. <laughs> smash the truck, but return it with a thank you note. <laughs> We're that was very polite. Behavior modeling here. Very polite. Absolutely. All right. So now I want to talk about my favorite thing in all mm-hmm. of Angel. Yes. My favorite thing, possibly in any TV series ever, the mission statement, right? Here we have this wonderful moment with him in the uh, in the courtyard with Kate. And of course, it's a moment with Kate, which, uh, uh, okay, it's still so great. It doesn't ruin it for me, but it's not, <laughs> it's not great. Um, but in this moment, she's good. In this moment, this is the best Kate we, we've ever had. And it's the mm-hmm. last Kate we'll ever see. So, you know, all right. But I love this moment when he's talking with Kate and he says, in the greater scheme or the big picture, nothing we do matters. There's no grand plan, no big win. And Kate says, you seem kind of chipper about that. And I have to say the fact that they said chipper made me happy. Hell yes. And then Angel says, well, I guess I kind of worked it out. If there is no great glorious end to all of this, if nothing we do matters, then all that matters is what we do. And that right there is such a beautiful thoughtful mission statement. And this is absolutely what Angel is about. If Mm -hmm. nothing we do matters, then all that matters is what we do. And I I think that is so brilliantly expressed. Um, It's a wonderful play with words, which I love. Mm -hmm. It is, I mean, honestly, one of my favorite things. And I think that honestly, that's so true. It's true about everything. And like, you know, when I have to talk to my kids about, hey, what happens when we die? You know, and I'm like, ah, you know, um, <laughs> because I don't have an answer for that. And when I talk to them about it, I'm like, if if at the end, that's all there is, you know, then the then the what it means is like what you do while you're here, mm-hmm. you know, how you spend your time while you're here and what you do without any expectation that after you die, you're going to be sent to heaven or hell. It's not about punishment and it's not about reward. It's about in this moment, what are you going to do? How are you going to choose to live your life? And that has meaning. And the way that you affect other people in any given moment, that has meaning. So, I mean, that to me is just like everything. I love it. 
Well, and I think it's a big turning point for Angel because mm-hmm. we've seen him on a mission to help the helpless. We've seen him on a mission to save souls, right? But there's yeah. always there was always a reason for that, right? Yeah. He was fighting for redemption. He's right. fighting because that prophecy gave him hope. He might mm-hmm. be made human again. Now we see him separating the end game, separating, yeah. you know, the the point from the purpose and just saying, I want to help because I don't think people should suffer. If there's no bigger meaning than the smallest act of kindness is the greatest thing in the world. And yeah. I love that idea so much. I know. It's so fantastic. And it's like in our other podcast, Big Strong Yes, we talked about Elizabeth Gilbert talking about like the fear myths for creativity. Yes. And a bunch of them were outcome oriented. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's not going to be a bestseller. I'm not going to make enough money. I'm not like all this kind of stuff. And the thing is, is that the act of creativity is in itself the reward. Right. You know, like the act of kindness is in itself the reward. Exactly. You know, so you do that. It's not that you be a doormat and let people beat the hell out of you. That's a whole different discussion about toxic people. You'll hear that on Big Strong Yes, too. (laughs) But the thing is, is that when you can, you know, do things for people, when you can be kind, when you can create something, you know, I mean, that and, and creation is everything like it's, you know, it's it's not just like if you like paint a mural or write a novel or whatever It's when you make dinner, right. you're creating something when you garden, you're creating something. Mm-hmm. And that is powerful. And it is meaningful. It is. And even down to watching Cordelia and Wesley and Gunn create a team yeah. environment, watching yeah. Lauren create a sanctuary like they're choosing yeah. They're choosing to be part of the positive, powerful human experience. Like, I mean, to me, it's, it's all, it all comes down to love. Like you're absolutely purposely choosing that in some form or other. And I could not believe I had this amazing moment with Kate either, but I did mm-hmm. because here Kate chooses magic. Like she yeah. chose magic. She chose to believe. And I don't like Kate, but I loved (laughs) this moment so much. Mm -hmm. She says, I don't know what I believe, but I have faith that maybe we're not alone in this. And Angel says, why? And she says, because I never invited you in. Right. He was able to break down her door. He was able to break her. Yeah. He was able to get in there and save her, even though she had never invited him in. And she acknowledged that. Yeah. Like, so Kate actually chose magic. And -hmm. for that to be our last moment with her, I think is great. And I'm also really happy that that's our last moment with her. (laughs) I know. But this is like, if this was the only scene I'd ever seen with her, I would love her. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. She's great in this scene. So we finally fix Kate and then boom out the door. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was such a great episode. Oh, such a great episode. So good. It was so good. But there's still a couple of things we might want to stake. And well, coincidentally, yeah. one of them might have been participating in this in this scene that we love so much. Yeah, <laughs> so kicking at Kate's door. Now, I like yes. that scene, right? Yes. But mm-hmm. this woman has overdosed on pills and alcohol. And instead right. of taking her to a hospital to get her stomach pumped, Angel puts her in the shower. Right. Like, what the hell? The hell? What I mean, the hell? I guess my presumption is he wakes her up and then she throws everything up and then they're okay. But like... I, uh, what? No, it's still in her bloodstream, though. She needs a hospital, man. She needs a hospital. That yeah. girl needed a doctor. Like, yeah. for real. Right. And then, and then, of course, we have classic Kate in the scene where he saves her life. He, you know, gets her on her feet. She gets out of the shower. And she's like, thanks. Now get out. Right? <laughs> 
Which was also a funny echo back to Angel and Darla. Right, Where you right. basically tell her, thanks, now right. get out. Like, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the other thing, I just, I have to stake these third eye demons. They yeah. are so gross. And that they demon really goo gross. is disgusting. And, and I'm fine with evil, but why does it have to be so gross? I don't know, but that tongue thing is not okay. No, no, that the tongue, tongue is thing gross. is not okay. It's so gross. It needs to be staked well and proper. Yeah, like all of these demons need to just die. Like that's terrible. Ugh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And I mean, God. we can have demons that are super scary, but you know, we can also make them kind of hot. Like, do they have I, to be gross? Or, or, or just not even disgusting, slimy goo and third eyes and like, oh, I know. Ugh. Why do they always have to be slimy? Ah, uh, yeah. Why does there have to be slime? It's just gross. I didn't like that. I don't think Wesley's ever going to get it out of his glasses. I think he's just <laughs> no. going to have to go to the optometrist. Poor Wesley. He's got, like, he just started unpacking. I know. I know. He's got he demon just goo everywhere. All over those books. <laughs> it's not good. Those books are not replaceable. No. It's Although terrible. I guess he can go to the sale now that Denver's going out of business because he can Aww. pick up some stuff there. Going out of business by, I mean, like, you know, dead. But yeah. yeah. Still dead on sale. Still dead on sale. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you want to move us into research mode? Yes. So yes. I didn't have so many questions about this. Mm-hmm. It's just thought. Mm-hmm. I love the reflection of perfect happiness and perfect despair. Yeah. I just mm-hmm. love it. And it sounds like Angel's trying to let go of his need for meaning and just focus on helping people. And as much as I love that, I don't think it will last. Yeah. Because once you know something, you can't unknow it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's going to be able to just let go. But I'm glad to see him back on the path right. that he's supposed to be on. But I love the play on words here because mm-hmm. an epiphany, you know, is a moment of sudden revelation or insight. Mm-hmm. But it can also be the manifestation of a divine or supernatural being. Yeah. And so I love the implications for that as to where the story might go. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. No, I think that's really good. But I do think like Angel... Angel, I don't think, lost his search for meaning, you know, because that is so, like, integral to who he is. Mm -hmm. It's just that the meaning is something other than what he thought it was. You know, the meaning isn't the win. It's the fight. The fight itself. The fact that you fight for something even though you know you're going to lose. That you fight for something even though there's no way to win. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no way to eradicate evil forever. There's no way. But you fight because that's what you do. Because if nothing you do matters, then all that matters is what you do. And it matters. That fight matters. Saving people matters, you know? So the meaning is goes so much deeper than where it had been for him. And I love this. You know? I agree with that completely. And like I said, mm-hmm. I think it's putting him back on his path in a new mm-hmm. way. But I think there will be questions that are going to continue to surface for him. Oh, sure. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's quite out of the woods even though he's back on the right path right but i love that like i'm not yeah. saying that's a bad thing but i i just this it was just so brilliantly done this episode was. was so good it just it is so incredibly good yeah it was are awesome. you gonna give us something to brood on i will so epiphany pulls angel back onto the path of his purpose after hitting the lowest despair bedrock but hanging on to his soul he comes back to the team but in a new role working for them wanting to help instead of as their leader and this is the last we see of kate so yay yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> all right kelly i feel a little silly asking you this because it seems fairly obvious <laughs> 
What's making you thirsty this week? But we. Yeah. And you. I know. <laughs> and I. Three times. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we have this super sex scene with Angel mm-hmm. and Darla. And there were two things about this I loved in addition yeah. to just that for that everything right yes Yes. one is we can see darla's injuries Mm -hmm. so she's not in this flawless perfect skin you know you can see burns and bruises and marks on her and there was something about that that i really appreciated yeah and we get to see angel's tattoo and Mm -hmm. i mean damn right so yeah Yeah. that was (laughs) (laughs) all right so is it going to be repetitive to ask you what your favorite part was no okay (laughs) even my shallow heart can go a little deeper for the favorite part so this was from lauren because this Mm -hmm. is my favorite lauren line of the entire Mm -hmm. series when he says it's called a moment of clarity my lamb and you've just had one because clarity is holy that's why oh i love that and i love that line coming from lauren I know. Lauren is so great. Yeah. So what about you? What was your favorite part? Well, I'm torn. Oh. I'm torn. Um, I mean, the mission statement. Like, obviously, the mission statement, since it's, like, my favorite thing ever. Mm-hmm. But the moment with Darla, when she's like, that was perfect. You can't tell me that wasn't perfect. Let's go again. Right? <laughs> that was so great. I know. Perfection in bed when I see it. And that exactly. was perfect. <laughs> or, Or even, like, a really close tie with Lindsay grabbing his damn boots and getting in his truck oh (laughs) I know (laughs) so I know that was so good yeah it's tough it's tough to pick just one favorite in these episodes it was so so good All right, that's it for today. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Lonnie Diane Rich and Kelly at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag still dead. For more in-depth discussion, visit the Chipperish forums. Go to chipperish.com, click on forum and join in the fun. Or you can support Chipperish Media to the tune of a dollar a month or more and gain access to the live chat and Discord where you can hang out with me and Lonnie and all the Chipperish patrons because the complimentary nachos always bring in the morally ambiguous crowd. Visit <laughs> patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. You can also show your support for Still Dead by going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a review. That's one of the most effective ways to show support for your favorite podcasts. Or you can use your social media platform of choice to tell your friends. Word of mouth is a powerful thing. And to say thanks to our rogue demon hunters who take the time to write reviews, we turn to the Prophecy Scrolls. I'm (laughs) writing these in reverse chronological order, so post your review and you will hear your prophecy soon. For Problematic Fave X Watcher... It's time for the 75-year review of the Singer Soul Seer Society, and Lorne is frantic about the state of Caritas. It's only 10 o'clock, and they've already run out of yak's blood. So you shall be called to restore order to the sanctuary. For this task, you shall need three magical items. First, an epiphany. Luckily, Denver has one he's been using as an oven mitt, so head on over to the Enchanted Bookstore. Beware of Darla and grab the most ancient book of musicality and then swing by and borrow Lindsay's sledgehammer. Armed thusly, you shall pass the review unscathed and stick around for happy hour afterwards because drinks are on Angel. (laughs) (laughs) We will be back next time with season two, episodes 17 and 18, Disharmony and Dead End, both of which are watchers. (laughs) Until then, mind if we borrow your truck? (laughs) Ha 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 